Predict, pick, and prevail in your fantasy football leagues with Nick Giacobbe and Nick Cap. From breakouts to busts, superstars to sleepers, these are the guys that will help you achieve fantasy glory. This is the Primetime Fantasy Podcast. Welcome everybody to Season 2, Episode 30 of the Primetime Fantasy Podcast, where we give you our predictions, our picks, with the hopes that we hope you prevail in the upcoming Week 5 and the rest of the 2022 fantasy football season. I'm your host, Nick Giacobbe. Joining me is Nick Cap. We're recording midway through Sunday Night Football, and it was one hell of a Sunday. Oh yeah, I had a great Sunday. I got, got my two and two Jets. Zach Wilson, only Wilson quarterback, undefeated so far this season. Oh, Phenomenal showing. Got monster games for my teams, as I just told Nick. It's halftime of the game. Mike Evans, second touchdown, just got me a 200 bomb in our league. So I'm pretty hyped right now. I'm in a good mood. We have, we have a lot to talk about. Um, A lot to talk about. It's week four. We're starting to see exactly how this season is going to unfold a little bit, and there's still a lot of teams and a lot of players um, that are in question. So there's a lot to talk about. First off, I want to thank everybody that joined our live stream um, on Sunday, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I do that every week. Um, we, we, we really appreciate you guys joining. We appreciate the questions. We want to help you guys out. We appreciate you guys engaging in the conversation. Um, it, it makes the show more enjoyable. It, it genuinely makes me excited to set an alarm and wake up at 8 in the morning um, on a day that I have off. I don't have, a, I have two or three days off. Um, so I genuinely get inside excited to wake up at eight in the morning and do that show. Um, 830 AM every single Sunday, YouTube, Twitter, and, uh, and Facebook. Um, I know there's another London game next Sunday, so it's going to roll right into the London game. Like we did, uh, this week as well. Uh, with that said, if this is your first time listening to us, if you watched the live stream and now you're joining us, thank you so much. We did the show Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. We have a little bit of a set schedule today's Monday show. So we're going to give you a weekend recap and a Monday night football preview. You can listen to the show on all audio streaming platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. If you are on Apple, please give us a five-star rating and a review. If you checked out the live show on YouTube, you can watch this show on YouTube. Every episode is uploaded uh, to YouTube, so you get video and audio. If you're watching this video, please hit that like and a subscribe to the channel. We really appreciate all of that. Keep checking in and interacting with us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Primetime FF Pod, Facebook, and YouTube Primetime Fantasy Podcast. Before we get into the weekend recap, we're going to talk about some injury news and some updates. It's a, it's a messy week. Let's start, start off with some running backs. Jonathan Taylor had an ankle injury. He left the game late in the fourth quarter, undergoing testing for an high, uh, a high ankle sprain. He's uh, facing the Denver Broncos on Thursday. My guess is Taylor will not be playing. Um, he'll probably have about you know two weeks rest before his next game, is, is my guess at least. I agree. That's what I think is going to happen. And it sucks. Um, it sucks as a Jonathan Taylor owner in, in my dynasty league. Um, it sucks that he hasn't produced. The Colts have been one of the most disappointing teams, I, I believe, in you know, in all football and fantasy football. Uh, on the season right now, um, Taylor is the running back 10, I believe. Uh, he is averaging 15 fantasy points, and it's not bad, but he's underwhelming because all running backs have been underwhelming. Um, the Colts aren't getting in the red zone a lot, and even when they are, he's just not getting in, in the end zone. So. It's been disappointing. Mm-hmm. Another dis- another disappointing injury for my dynasty team. Um, my two dynasty running backs are Jonathan Taylor and Javante Williams. Um, let's just say this trophy right here that you see on YouTube. Um, I have a feeling this time next year it's not going to be in my possession. <laughs> uh, Javante Williams 
sustained a serious knee injury at the beginning of the third quarter. As far as we know, he was on crutches and he's getting MRIs tomorrow. Uh, it's feared to be a serious injury. My guess is we're going to wake up tomorrow and by 10 o'clock, it's going to be he's out for the season, um, which sucks so much. Um, it sucks a lot. Um, the good news for Nathaniel Hackett, the definite choice for coach of the year is he doesn't have to ride the hot hand anymore because he's only got one hand to ride and that hand has fumbled four times in the past two weeks. Um, I don't know. They were using another injury. running back, their third string running back. He might be someone yeah, we talk Matt, about on waivers. Matt Boone or whatever his name is. Yeah, uh, so he might be someone we talk about. It it, it it sucks. It sucks if you drafted Javante Williams early in your drafts. It sucks if you kept him like I did. Uh, the injury sucks because he has so much potential. He's such a talented running back. He's only 23 years old. It, it all sucks. And the Broncos also suck, by the way. Traylon Burks, rookie wide receiver for the Titans, was carted off with a foot injury. That's all I got. I didn't see any other notifications on it for the rest of the day. Um, I guess a better update for you for Tuesday's show. But again, as far as Sunday night, we don't have much. Jahan Dotson scored a touchdown today, but then he did suffer a hamstring injury in the fourth quarter, left the game late in the fourth quarter. He did say to the media after the game that he felt good. Um, hamstring injuries can linger as we see Keenan Allen miss two weeks. Uh, Chris Godwin missed two weeks. So, We'll see how serious it is. He could end up missing next week. He could not. Again, have to see what happens this week. And lastly, DK Metcalf was carted off in the fourth quarter. Uh, really disappointing. The guy is so talented. Uh, physical freak. He had 150 yards today. Like He's definitely a freak. That's you, like, that's you, sure. you, you just hate to see a guy carted off um, instead of being able to waddle his way to the locker room to take a crap. Um, listen. We've all been there. Um, he Lamaction Jackson to that yeah, one. He, he well, did it better. I don't know. I, Paul I, I, Pierce, I, I, DK Metcalf. That's that's a Mount Rushmore right there. I, I think there's a poop gate here because I'm not convinced that <laughs> I, I'm not convinced he made it to the bathroom. Uh, I hope he had an extra pair of undies uh, in his locker. Anyway, um, I threw it in there for the fun of it because when we all saw DK Metcalf got carted off, we we're all worried, and then it's oh, he just he has to go to the bathroom apparently. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, DK had, had an awesome game. He, he, he had the poop game today. It was it, it was great. Um, going to the weekend wrap, we're going to go through each game, and me and Nick will each give you one takeaway from each game. We think that's our biggest takeaway from a fantasy football perspective. 9.30 a.m., the Minnesota Vikings at the New Orleans Saints, the London game. What is your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway is Dalvin Cook owners do not panic. Um, if you took a look at his workload, excluding week two against Philly, who we'll talk about later, but is clearly the best defense in football. Um, he's had 17 touches, 20 touches, 20 touches in those other three games. This was his lowest rushing week at 76 yards. Um, he's not getting the volume in the passing game, but he has only found the end zone once this entire season. If he had Madison's touchdown earlier today, he would have found the end zone. He would have had more than his ESPN projection. He would have finished around 18, 19 points. So my biggest takeaway is even with the injury and with the concerns about it, Dalvin Cook should get still getting the workload. If you have any concern, it's more about the player and the, his production versus the actual injury lingering him. I don't think the injury is bothering him too much. Um, and the coaching staff clearly thinks he's still the more talented back there because they're still riding him. They're still giving him the ball. Madison, after that one yard or the 15 yard touchdown, I think he only saw the ball once or twice more for the rest of the game. So yeah, um, Dalvin Cook's still definitely their go-to guy there. Don't 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 be panicked at all about his injury. I, I just wish as a as a Cook owner, um, I wish he had more red zone looks. That's one of the reasons work. That's one of the reasons why my team yeah. in our league is is pretty bad. My biggest takeaway is there's not much difference between Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. I think Dalton had like 240 yards or something like that. He almost led them to a comeback in the fourth quarter. 
Um, I mean, they had a lot of injuries on offense. Like Olave looked great. He, he did. Uh, Landry didn't look bad, but like no Michael Thomas, Camaro was out. Like it wasn't the best situation for Andy Dalton, but he stepped up. Um, so whoever's starting for the Saints is not going to affect your fantasy wide receivers um, at all to me. Cleveland Browns at the Atlanta Falcons. What do you got for me? This was such a weird game because I and and it's kind of why me and Nick were fading every Browns player going into the year. The, the Falcons scored 25 points and their two star receiving options combined for what 10 fantasy points, maybe. Yeah. And then you look at the Browns and it's like, okay, week one, we said Donovan Peoples Jones out snapped and out targeted Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's out of play. Back to back weeks, Cooper puts up 100 yards. And this week it was Donovan Peoples Jones with nine targets and 70 yards. Amari Cooper, I think he only had one catch on the game. So it's going to be an, an incredibly emotional roller coaster for both of these two teams, both their weapons. Um, so I hope you're prepared to ride it or look for like another Amari Cooper back to back stud game, look to trade him. Like I, these are guys I would want to get off my roster because it's going to be so up and down and like. The floors well, are so low, low. Let me ask you this. Do you think that this is an Amari Cooper off game? Because we saw two of them with Justin Jefferson back-to-back weeks, and then he exploded this week for another 140 yards. Do you think this is just an off game by a star receiver, or do you think this is really going to be an up-and-down, can't trust him in your lineup? I'm not going to say I can't trust him in my lineup, but Amari Cooper in Dallas was the epitome of inconsistency. I remember Skip Bayless pounding the, de- the desk saying Amari Cooper has had eight bad games this year and all eight were on the road. And I remember I was like, that's very strange. Looked at my ESPN um, like week by week is scoring uh-huh. and it matched what he said. Like on the road. He, he, he didn't even get targets though. I, I had his targets in, 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 a, in, a, in a prop uh, parlay, yeah. but like he only had three targets. I don't know if he wasn't getting open. He wasn't, I don't know. Just weird. Uh, yeah. Just weird. Um, so anyway, um, I, I have two takeaways. My, mm, well, my first one is David Njoku had another solid game. Um, seven targets, five receptions, 73 yards. I don't think he's a starter week in and week out, but I think he's proven to be an option, and that's all you really need. Um, another one for me is that the Atlanta offense is going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, Cordell Patterson definitely looked like the better back through a couple of weeks, but then and he scored a touchdown today, I believe. Um, but then today um, you had uh, Caleb Huntley score 11.6 fantasy points. Tyler Allen. Al- I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Alligator, Alagier had 11.4, and then it's Cordell Patterson with 9.8. Um, I still think that Cordell Patterson is the, is the number one over there, but again, it's it's going to be a little bit of a nightmare. So, the Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys. What do you got for me? I think I have found a fantastic parallel in uh, in fantasy football for this year. Um, and it's a player I wasn't high on. It's a player that I'm now getting high on because of uh, what I've seen. And it's CeeDee Lamb is Deontay Johnson. He's a talented wide receiver, wide receiver one on his team, doesn't get the big plays, doesn't get the monster workload, but you throw him the ball and he's putting up fantasy numbers. He's only getting – I mean, he's getting 10 yards per catch. That's exactly what he's doing. If I read you the stat line – if you read the stat line to me, I would have thought it was Deontay Johnson. Last three weeks, seven catches on 11 targets, 75 yards, no touchdown. Following week, eight catches on 12 targets, 87 uh, eighty-seven yards, one touchdown. And then today, six catches, eight targets, 97 yards, and a touchdown. It's like he can't eclipse that 100-yard mark, but he's getting so much workload. Like it's like Allen Robinson, Deont- prime Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, and the Texans. Like that's what CeeDee Lamb is kind of forming into. 
and it's proving to be QB proof. I know week one was a struggle with Dak there, but that was against Tampa Bay, who's proving to have be maybe not tonight. And week, one, week one doesn't matter to me. Like it, it means yeah, absolutely it, it's the biggest one off. So I, I think CD Lamb for this year, for future years, look at him more like Deontay and Allen Robinson in his prime, where he's might not have the highest ceiling and the highest touchdown upside consistently, but he's going to like have so much workload where he's just going to continue to produce. I have a couple points here. Um, the commander's offense is going to spread the ball around, which is going to make it tricky to project who's going to score. I'm um, still, I think, I think uh, Curtis Samuel did lead the team in targets again. Um, Dalton Schultz. I'm a little worried about him. I, I think today he may have been in there almost as like a decoy first game back. I need to see him next week and, and the week after. Um, Dallas is going to win their games ugly. And, and here are my last two points. Um, the Dallas front seven is good. Like their defense is good. Um, but like they got that, I think they have a top 10 defense in the league, I'd say, at least from yep. a front seven standpoint. Easily. So if, if you're playing, like, if you have receivers or running backs playing against Dallas, like it, it could be tough when if you have like a, a mid tier quarterback, like a Jared Goff or, you know, a Carson Wentz, a Matt Ryan, like those are guys that I'm going to tell you to bench, honestly. Um, because I think Dallas's defense is is up there. Um, and my last thought is that the everybody in the media is saying this now, but Cooper Rush is not much different than Dak Prescott. Uh, that's, that's kind of where we are, guys. Um, we're not really seeing much of a difference there. So um, Cooper Rush is on your radar for backup quarterbacks or you know streaming, um, and he's, he, your receivers aren't being affected as much as you probably thought they could be. Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. Your biggest takeaway. Um, the biggest takeaway is these two teams absolutely suck, and I wish they weren't in the same division because it's just it's robbery that somebody at the division has to make the playoffs over like the Bengals or the Raiders or Miami or somebody. So my preseason, one of my hot takes was Jonathan Taylor will not finish as the RB1 in fantasy. I am very much starting to believe that he's not going to finish in the top 10 as a running back in fantasy, especially if he misses multiple games from this injury. Um, it's, it's going to be extremely concerning. High ankle sprains are typically four to six week, sometimes a little shorter, sometimes a little bit longer, but that, that's typically the range you see with this type of injury. Um, so there's a lot of fear for Jonathan Taylor. And on top of that, I mean, he hasn't produced. He's, he's, um, it's like I said before the year, he produced week one and that was it. Like the, the Colts offense is horrible. It, it, yeah. like, it, it really is horrible. I think it's worse with Matt Ryan than it was with Carson Wentz. Absolutely. And it's shocking because Wentz actually looks really good in Washington and Matt Ryan, we said, all right, I'll have no problem getting the ball down the field. It's just going to find the end zone with minimal weapons and he can't do either. So Taylor's going to see regression. Matt Ryan, he's never produced the top running back in his career. The last one was Devontae Freeman. And I don't think he ever finished inside the top four. So Taylor's going to see this, this struggle for the rest of the year. Um, I would not be opposed to you trading him for two or three um, solid weapons i don't think you'll be able to get star for star for him but if you can get down to like an aaron jones type of level and another player i, I would totally do it my biggest takeaway is the other running back um tractor sito was back in full form 114 yards a touchdown and five targets i think he was second or first on the team in targets that's that's huge um that's the one thing kind of missing from derrick henry's game like he was pulling five players with him um derrick henry looks great so that's my biggest takeaway chicago bears at the new york giants just, just a, a gross disgusting display of football in this one i don't even my have biggest takeaway is it, do you know, not get too it. high do not get too high on that chicago game 
you know what you saw? You saw Darnell Mooney have more than Oh, you saw Darnell Mooney. He's back on rosters again. He's back on rosters again. He's back on rosters, but um, you saw Justin Fields throw 22 times. This is my favorite stat that I've I've actually seen. Um, I haven't seen it. I actually looked it up because I was very curious. Like, what did the Bears look like last year with Justin Fields? And what was his usage in games they won? And I asked this not for fantasy, but to understand, like, what what can Chicago do to win football games? And then how can that benefit fantasy? In not a single one of their wins did Justin Fields throw more than 20 times. In every game where he threw over 20 times, they lost by multiple points. And Justin Fields saw under 60% completion. Every All but one game. All but one game. So, the tape is showing Justin Fields is not going to produce. The coaching staff knows he's not going to produce. I think that they felt very unfortunate winning these two games because I think Fields is out of there in a year. I think they're going to try and draft one of those top rookies. I would not blame them. Fields is not going to do well in this I don't league. think Fields is the problem, though. He's the worst offensive line in the league. Like, they're not even giving him – he doesn't have a chance. But he, his uh, completion percentage is still awful. The coaching staff isn't trusting him to throw the ball. It's not like they're like they're giving him design runs. They're running the ball a lot. And it's more so that there's a lack of trust in Justin Fields to produce. He saw – I mean, this is the biggest game any of his receivers have had so far this year. Receiver or tight end, not running back. And Darnell Mooney with 13 points. So there's no reason I'm going to trust any of them. It's not like we watched the wide receiver two over there put up 20 points at some point, and we could say, oh, it's going back to the wide receiver one like it's a one-off game. No, they're not producing at all. It's just the running game that's producing. And even Khalil Herbert, who had a, a good matchup, didn't produce that great for what we thought he could do. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. My biggest takeaway is that we were both wrong on – uh, Saquon Barkley, um, one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine. So he was a top 12 running back on the week so far. Um, and that's just because this is actually the biggest running back week we've had this year. Um, but he's also the running back one on the season. Um, he's averaging over 20 fantasy points. He has a total of 67 fantasy points. Didn't have a touchdown today, but he did have 147, uh, 146 yards. I do wish he had some receptions, but in the only two of them, that's, that's okay. I, mean, I do wish he had a couple more considering those wide receivers are out. But my big takeaways at me, Nick, were wrong. Um, I, I, w- I was fading him because of the injury history. And, and honestly, I was fading McCaffrey too. Like, I, I was worried about the injuries. Um, and, and you know what? Through four weeks, Saquon looks great. He looks healthy. It looks like he took him a year and a half to re- recover from that ACL. And um, and that's okay. Because now he looks great. And if you drafted him in rounds two or three, you're reaping the rewards. And, and you know, that's, that, that's great for you guys out there. Um, not great for me when I'm facing him certain weeks. Um Jacksonville Jaguars at the Philadelphia Eagles in a, in a nice comeback game over there where the Eagles decided to run the ball during the rain and the Jaguars decided to throw the ball during the rain. And you see how that kind of worked out for them. Um, James Robinson and Etienne actually split carries in this one. Anyway, uh, what do you got? The uh, Philly is going to be the worst defensive matchup any team will have to face this year. They are the best defense in football, miles, miles, and miles away. There's no team, in my opinion, that's even close to them. I know Jacksonville came out hot early. Newsflash, they came out hot because of a turnover that left them just outside the red zone to start the game. And then they had one drive all game where they were able to actually march down the field. Uh, in Through the first three weeks of the game, Trevor Lawrence was averaging 21 points per game. This week, he was averaging – or he finished with five and a half points. Uh ETN at 10 points per game, average uh, only scored three today. Robinson, 20 points per game, three today. Uh, uh, Christian Kirk averaging 20 points per game, saw less than 10 points and only nine targets. Like 
this is a awful matchup for every team because they're they're that much of a nightmare. Like that front seven, as much as Nick talked about Dallas, this team is just as good as Dallas's front seven. They just don't have the star name of uh, Micah Parsons up there, and they have Darius Slay, who's playing like the like literally like prime Darrell Revis right now. So and it, when you have that combination. It, I mean, there, there's no one that I feel confident at this point playing. I mean, the, the leading receiver here and the leading player from this game was Jamal Agnew. No one else outside of that produced for fantasy. Yep. So my big one is that um, Jalen Hurts did not have a great game in terms of Jalen Hurts' numbers. Only had 16 fantasy points. He didn't have any touchdowns. Um, and the receivers did not have – Phenomenal games either. Devontae Smith, I think it was like three receptions for 40 yards and A.J. Brown was like five receptions for 95, couldn't get that 100. Um, but they scored, I believe, four touchdowns in the red zone. I think um, run, running the ball. I think Miles Sanders had two and Kenneth Gamel had one. And maybe they scored one more touchdown that I'm blanking on. So first off, Philly loves running in the red zone. No matter who the running back is, or even if it's Hurts, they love running in uh, the red zone. So that's red flag if you have these receivers my other take that i need to say here is uh nick miles sanders looks good 130 yards on the ground two rushing touchdowns he now has a touchdown i think in three out of four games i think he's at over 70 yards in three out of four games um if we're looking at the 2022 season miles sanders is um maybe he's not i might be looking at the long list right now anyway um he actually is pretty far down i gotta say um he has 35 fantasy points. He's averaging 11. Um, but with that said, like this is a guy you probably draft as a backup running back for your bench, and I think he's flexible most weeks. So depending if they're not facing like the Cowboys, like no, they're and an I, I hate division. to say it, they're in an easy division. Like they're going to face the Giants twice. Those are two games you're going to play them. They're going to face the Commanders twice. Those two games you play them. Like Philly is one of the easiest schedules in the league. Like. As much as I don't like Miles Sanders, like he's he's already scored more touchdowns this season than he I think he had in the past like two. So, yeah, I mean he he didn't find the end zone. The most recent time he found the end zone outside of this year was literally 2020, like right before Christmas. So, um, I hate to admit it too. I mean it's it's the Cordell Patterson of last year where you could not trust him off name in past year's production, but the fact is he's producing, and you just have to look at the numbers and say, all right, there's no reason to bench him. Put him in my lineup. I agree with you. Um, we are talking about the New York Jets at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, credit to me for picking the Jets in, the, in, the, in my uh, spread pool and for not picking the Steelers in my survivor pool. What is your biggest takeaway? Because I have some thoughts. The, so I, you saw two quarterbacks. You saw Zach Wilson for his first time um, this year with that offense. You saw Kenny Pickett take over. I think it was mid-second or uh, late second quarter where he took over. Um I don't I count the Kenny Pickett's first. Fan, but... I, I, I don't count Kenny Pickett's game as a Kenny Pickett game. I need this. I need him a week of preparation at the start. But yes, yes, I agree. We, we technically so, saw him for the first time. So I'm gonna go talk. I know I'm the resident Jets fan, and I'll talk about I'll talk about them all season. But I'm gonna go talk about the other side of the ball because I, I think there's a lot more big takeaways that can help you win your league with this one. Um, all those Steelers players, go go trade for them right now. There is a much higher ceiling with Kenny Pickett on that team. That team moved the ball down the field a lot more effective. He had three turnovers. Two of those were on deep passes, one before the end of the half, one as a Hail Mary on the last play of the game. So don't worry about that number. Like Kenny Pickett really threw 10 for 11 with 120 yards and one interception. The team moved the ball no problem. Najee was a bit of a concern, but that ceiling has a lot higher of a ceiling. Now 
the biggest concern that I have about these Steelers is Kenny Pickett, rookie quarterback, is going into the toughest five weeks, um, maybe six weeks in a row that an NFL team can go into. Next week in Buffalo. Following week, host Tampa. Following week at Miami. Following week in Philadelphia. Following week hosting New Orleans. That's five of the ten best defenses in football that is to see consecutively. This may be the other that um, – that, uh... What's his name? Mike Tomlin doesn't, doesn't go eight and eight. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a this very good shot because I mean, this is eight. Out of those five, I see three losses right there to the Bills, the Eagles, and, and Tampa. Um, yeah, so. uh, and Miami's beatable, but I think they'll probably lose in Miami. and then it's we'll, so, we'll see if two is playing. We'll see what his concussion uh, numbers at at that moment. So, so here is why I'm saying go trade for the Steelers. I would go trade for Pickens out of all of them because his stock is so low. And Pickett, Pickens clearly had a connection. And Pat Fryer, um, he put up most of, if not all of his points with Kenny Pickett in there. He had 15 on the day. Uh, here is what is going to be his playoff stretch uh, or the last few weeks of the season. So he goes at Atlanta week 13, very favorable matchup there for the receivers. Baltimore, who's been the worst outside of this week to receivers. Carolina, been awful to receivers. Las Vegas, awful to receivers. And championship week at Baltimore against that secondary. So for me, go trade for those Steelers receivers and go stash them as much as you can. It might be a couple rough weeks ahead, but the what's going to come out of that tunnel is going to be a championship. Uh, my two biggest takeaways are from the Jets side of the ball. One positive, one negative. I'll start with my positive. Uh, Brees Hall, uh, he's a guy you should go trade for if you can. Um, I believe he had over 60% of the snaps at running back. Uh, he, he dominated the carries to Michael Carter. Um, Michael Carter, I believe, uh, oh, he, he dominated targets as well. Um, six to three on targets and uh, 17 to nine on carry. So Brees Hall is looking like the guy they drafted. And I kind of feel bad for Michael Carter because I thought he was a really good player. And, and I guess he still is, but it doesn't look like Brees Hall's about to really take over. So that's my positive. Um, here's my negative. I don't know what gets receiver to play if I want to play one every week. Um, Corey Davis had seven targets. Elijah Moore had Four, Conklin at five, Garrett Wilson at six. Leader in targets is Corey Davis, followed by Moore, Conklin, and Wilson. Um, Garrett Wilson. So I need to see Zach Wilson play for like two or three weeks to kind of figure out who his favorite target is. I don't know if he's going to have a favorite target, and that leads me to listen. The, the Jets are not a good football team. That's just the reality of it. So I don't love playing players from bad football teams. Um, and if you're telling me it's a bad football team that doesn't have an, a number one receiver, like at least with the Cleveland Browns, I know Amari Cooper's had like seven seasons in a row with like 600 plus six, 700, you know, yards. Um, I don't think the Jets have a guy like that. So I don't, I don't know who's going to be trustable. They might just be flyers every week where if you're asking us questions on Sunday morning and you throw a jet in there, I might say, well, it's a favorable matchup. However, he's going to have to get those targets. And, and you won't know they're not guaranteed almost. Um, it's almost like a poor man's Washington commanders where they have good options. Like I think, I think the Jets receivers are fine. I, I, I think they're good, but you just don't know who's actually going to boom each week, which is troublesome for fantasy football. It's good for the NFL. It's good for Zach Wilson. It's good for his growth. But in terms of fantasy football, that's not the situation that you want to jump into. I'm just going to hop in real quick. I'm not going to go too long, but like, the, the problem is the Jets actually have very talented players. The problem is they're all no one, no one's emerged as the superstar of the court. I, th it, I think they're all like 
They're bees. all Bs. They're, they're like, all Bs. It's a bunch yeah, of you, B players. You have three Bs, and that's good. You want Bs because they're good. You have like three yeah. Curtis Samuels or you, you know something like that. You have three Bs that are it, reliable. It's literally no... just like like right. Washington would be the perfect parallel right there. Because right. it, it's three guys. Like Terry McLaurin is the one. Elijah Moore is supposed to be the one, but he's not playing like the one right now. Like they're spreading it too much, and and it's a testament to how good the team actually is. It's just not great for fantasy. Right. Exactly. And this is a fantasy show. Um, we do talk, yeah. you know, as, as football fans, but this is still a fantasy show, so we have to be honest about it. Um, yeah. Buffalo Bills at the Baltimore Ravens. What is your? I, I know what your biggest takeaway is, so you could say it. I, I see it in the notes, so let's talk about it. Uh, I did not like this guy going into the year. I'm pretty sure I had him ranked outside my top. And we both had him on our boom team this week. We ding, did ding, both ding. have him on our boom team, and he certainly did disappoint. It is Gabriel Davis. I would like to see the numbers. I have not seen them yet of the snap share and the target share and the offense. Um, but I remember last week him getting out snapped by Isaiah McKenzie, which was a big red flag for me. And McKenzie um, scored watch this out week. for. I'm sorry. And McKenzie scored this week. And McKenzie found the end zone again. So Gabe Davis rookie year last year, he could not jump Cole Beasley or um, Emmanuel Sanders in the depth chart. Uh, he, he finally got a chance come the playoffs, had that four touchdown um, monstrous game, which kind of gave him all the hype going into this year. And Buffalo is not putting up the points that they did in week one and week two. That offense is not moving as easy without Brian Dable there and his offensive mastermind. Um, I'm very concerned for Gabe Davis. I didn't like him going into the year. I, I'm not going to say I don't like him rest of season because th- there's a lot of cakewalks in the schedule. I mean, they get a matchup at Detroit. They get New England, who's been terrible in the secondary um, they, they got Miami, Chicago, Cincinnati, uh, a, a lot, um, Cleveland, like a lot of bad. I also think he's a guy who can break out later in the season because I think the ankle's bothering him a little bit, honestly. I do he think looked great so. week one, but and the ankle might be bothering him a little bit. But I do think there's going to be a very big lack of trust in Gabriel Davis moving forward because okay. you're seeing the very low ceiling of being the wide receiver two on options, maybe even the wide receiver three now. Um, and you're not seeing the touchdown upside that you were used to seeing or all right um i have been anti jk dobbins for weeks was he on my bus team i don't even remember if he was on my <laughs> bus team he might have been on my bus team this so. week um i'd have to look again but uh jk he showed out um two touchdowns that's great but what i'm more focused on is that after justice hill went off last week and was praised um jk dobbins out uh he did out snap him as a running back he out carried him um, he had four targets, which is great in PPR. He had a, a receiving touchdown. I think he had a chance at a, at, at a third touchdown. Um, we're, we're almost back. It feels like we're almost back with J.K. Dobbins. Um, tough matchup against the Bills. It was raining, but it you know they have Cincinnati next week. Should be an easier matchup. The Bengals are a good football team, but easier matchup than the Bills at least. Um, so I, I think if you have J.K. Dobbins going forward, you could have a bit more confidence playing him. If you mentioned this week, don't. Kick yourself, but going forward, you should have more confidence. The Los Angeles Chargers at the Houston Texans. You got uh, your back. Well, let's hear about it. I pounded the desk. I, I drafted him early live on this, this podcast. You did. I did. Damian Pierce, I told you his season was coming. I told you wait till week three. Week three, he looked good. This week, he looked great. He put up 26 fantasy points on the week. But the bigger takeaway for me is he didn't just do it on the ground. I mean, the 140 yards and the touchdown helped. I know it was a, there's a big one that really made up the chunk of it. But he saw six catches, and that's the big concern that I had for him. They were using Rex Burkhead way too much in the passing game. 
Week one, Rex Burkhead took all the load. Damian Pierce struggled. Uh, week two, they looked to get Pierce in, 15 carries. Following week, 20 carries, 80 yards, touchdown, did not use him in the air. And this game, he had the Christian McCaffrey-type role, which uh, a lot of us were hoping for. 14 carries on the ground, 130 uh, rushing yards, touchdown, six targets, six catches. Not a lot of air yards, but six catches is six catches. That's the equivalent of a touchdown right there. So if Damian Pierce is going to continue to keep getting this three-down uh, type of workload, he is absolutely finishing the year as a top 15 running back. Now, I said this in the show last week that I did not put <clears throat> Austin Eckler on, on the all-boom team. Uh, I, I wasn't going to put him and Debo, and I did like the other running back options I had up there. And the other running backs did great. Just They did great. But Eckler was the running back one on the week. Uh, I, I got some questions on our Twitter this morning about Eckler. People didn't really want to play Eckler. And I said, you have to play in the matchups great. Um, ends up with three touchdowns, uh, six receptions for like 50 yards. He ran for 60 yards. Um, he looked great. So first note, Austin Eckler. Second note, I did have Mike Williams on my all-boom team. Seven receptions for 120 yards. That's good for 19 fantasy points in PPR leagues. Um, thank you, Nick, for telling you guys that. Um, and now I'm going to hold myself accountable. I told all of you to play Joshua Palmer. I said it on Twitter. I said it on the live show. Um, I gave you the stats, which are true, that in every game without Keenan Allen, he had double-digit fantasy points. Well, streaks are meant to be broken. If the Undertaker's streak can be broken, so can Joshua Palmer's. Um, he had a pitiful game. One reception on, like, one target for 25 yards. Just just not good. Um, Gerald Everett had a touchdown. Obviously, Eckler had a big game. Mike Williams, like, there's only so many targets that could go around, especially when you're up, like, three scores for half the game. So it wasn't the Joshua Palmer game. Sorry if you listened to me, guys. Um, you know, hopefully listen to my other Charger takes because I told you to play the other Chargers too. Um, unfortunately, that's the one that did not produce. Seattle Seahawks at the, the Detroit Lions in a game that I was a gazillion percent sure was a four o'clock game. And then I saw them on the red zone. And I'm like, huh, I should probably fire up the stream or something on my computer. Um, yeah. You saw them on the, on the red zone a lot of times because my God. You know what's 48... funny? You know what's funny? It felt like a game that they never wanted to show on the red zone. Like, you know, in red zone, they'll cut in and out of the big games when, like, they're on, like, the 40-yard line. Like, let's say yeah. it's the Packers-Bucks. They'll be on, like, the 30 of, like, the other team's 30. You know, not, not the red zone 30. The other 30, like, let's go check out on Tom Brady. Like, you're not close to the red zone, but you're showing the higher starred game. It, this game felt like a game they did not want to show on the red zone, but they were forced to because it was always a score. Um, what was your biggest takeaway? Because there was a lot of fantasy points in this one. There was a lot of fantasy points. Uh, biggest takeaways: If you played one of these defenses, you probably lost your fantasy man. Oh no, no, no! Yeah, I checked every league to see if someone played them because I wanted to see how poorly that they actually did. Uh, I actually have the Lions up here, so they had negative thirteen points. Just to wow. give a there's example. definitely there's definitely leagues out there that had nine is fifty. Like that's a thing. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, because everybody's defense is different. But um, what what's your actual? Biggest takeaway. Um, I do want to let you know, I'm looking at it right now. Gino and Goff were the top two scoring quarterbacks on the week. Yes, they were. Um, I'm going to give my quick takeaway, and then I'm going to give my real takeaway. My quick takeaway is, oh, man, it felt really good after three struggling weeks in my league with Nick to have Damian Pierce, Rashad Penny, Jamal Williams, and Christian McCaffrey all in my starting lineup. That felt fantastic. Those guys are studs. I am so grateful for them. But my real takeaway, is Jared Goff going to be a top 10 quarterback at the end of the year? Because this Lions team was missing their number one running back, their all-star, 
They're, Amon Ross St. Brown was looking like a top 10 receiver in the NFL before he got hurt. And Jared Goff has 11 touchdowns, has only three interceptions, uh, is averaging about 300 passing yards a game, um, has two games over 26 points already. His floor has been thir- uh, 14 last week against Minnesota, which was a tougher matchup. Like, is Jared Goff going to be fantasy relevant? But I don't the, know. The Lions I would, the, I'd roster him at this the Lion, point. The Lions are the highest scoring team through four weeks, and yes. they're one and three, which sucks for the Lions. Yeah, the defense is awful, and that's yeah. better for your quarterback because the game script is going to be phenomenal every single game. I, I I love him. I love Jared Goff and I, I love Dan. Who do they have next week? Can you figure out who the Lions have next week? I'm curious. They have they're at New England and then they have uh, Dallas. So those are two real tests. To, uh, those are two man. real tests. But uh, all right, that changes what's going to come out of my mouth. But anyway, um, I need to talk about these takeaways. First off, Rashad Penny and Jamal Williams are both on me and Nick's all boom team. We're gonna do different all boom teams next week. We we're gonna coordinate them. But um, I'm happy. I'm happy we didn't look like morons um, because we went two for two with the running backs. We went zero for two with Gabriel Davis and Damari Cooper, who should have had good matchups. Um, listen, you can back it up with all the stats you want, but you don't know what's going to happen until they step on the field. But anyway, um, Jamal Williams and Rashad Penny backed it up. Um, I would say to lock in Jamal Williams every week until Swift comes back, but that New England matchup scares me. Um, Rashad Penny has to be, you know, on a game by game basis. Um, another one that's a game by game basis is DK Metcalf, but honestly, I don't know, man. Back to back weeks with over 80 yards today, he had seven receptions, 149. Um, Gino's lighting it up. Like, DK is still a freak. Like, people are forgetting the guy's still like 6'4 and is like the Hulk out there. Like, he's still a, a freak. Um, my last takeaway TJ Hawkinson, eight receptions, 179 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, I was playing him in Dynasty, and that absolutely sucks so much for me. Um, on the, if Amonra misses another week, Hawkinson's the number one receiver over there for sure. And even if he isn't, like this is big for Jared Goff's trust with Hawkinson. That that's that's big. That is big. The Lions just really need a defense. So those are my takeaways from this offensive explosion. Going to the four o'clock games, Arizona Cardinals at the Carolina Panthers. This was, this was my survivor game. I was a little bit worried, but don't worry. Garbage time. Kyler always comes in the clutch and I am alive uh, for another week in the survivor. And let's see if two is playing next week. So I, I could fire up the Dolphins. Nick, I know who the worst starting quarterback in the NFL is. And it, no, it, he's not. Big. He's not. He's not worse than. Did Gino you Smith. watch? Who's he not worse than? Geno Smith. Okay, he's, he's, he's the bottom three in the NFL. <laughs> bottom, actually, I don't know, Mister Two and Two Geno, seventy-seven percent completion percent. He's looking pretty, pretty elite in that. Who's offense. starting for the Patriots right now? Baker's definitely better than whoever's the Patriots starter. The Patriots starter just took. Uh, the Patriots starter was Mac Jones, like three point right there. The, the, the trap game. This was an entire trap <laughs> game the tonight. Trap, but... the, the the entire Vegas line was on Green Bay. This was a trap game. Absolutely. Um. Baker's bad, but like I don't know. Like so, he's, the he's, reason he I wanted to say bad. Baker's bad and not just to call him out. Um, I, 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 I don't want to cut you off, but I, I think Matt Rule's worse than Baker. I think Matt. Oh, Rule's Matt Rule's hard. terrible. Matt, my brother told me this earlier. I, I think if you give Sean Payton the Panthers, I think it's a different team. I agree. Oh, oh my God! Of course, that's what I'm saying. I, I think Matt Rule's the bigger problem than Baker. So, um, Matt Rule said earlier this week, um, that. Baker's not the problem, and the receivers might catch more if they got open. DJ Moore, I watched the game, and I feel bad because I pounded the desk for three straight weeks. I had him ranked outside my top 24, even though his ADP was 13, saying, I don't care what the 160 targets on the last year says. 
I know the quarterback there, and I know the quarterback's not very good. So I was watching, and I was like, he's getting a lot of workload. Like, why why aren't the numbers coming through? And then I saw Baker Mayfield overthrow him on four, four consecutive passes. He finished the game with six catches for 50 yards. He's only hitting him within 10 yards. So that is awful. DJ Moore, I am sorry for putting you on my all-bus team for three straight weeks. But I'm not sorry because you haven't proved me wrong, and Baker Mayfield, your quarterback, hasn't proved me wrong. So DJ Moore, don't trade for him, but keep your eye out in two or three weeks because I think there's a very good chance he asked for his way out that locker room because – Apparently, he had some beef with Matt Rule for what he said. I heard that Matt Rule lost the locker room. I saw that on Twitter, and that's what made me more confident in my Arizona um, take, at least. Um, I I mean, I'm going to talk about this guy again. Um, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. As of right now, Marquise Hollywood Brown is a top 12 fantasy wide receiver on the 2022 season. Some guys that he has scored more points than. Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, uh, Drake London, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Smith. Who else do we got here? CeeDee Lamb, Deontay Johnson, Michael Pittman, Debo Samuel. He hasn't played t- yes, you know, he hasn't played yet, so I can't really knock him. Uh, Mike Williams, the list can go on. My point being, um, <laughs> Mike Williams has been a good take by me. Um, <coughs> so... He had six receptions, 88 yards, a touchdown on 11 targets. Um, looking through his, his previous few games, the targets, his lowest is six. Since then, 11, 17, and 11. Uh, the yards, are, are, are they've been great. Um, and going up, 43, 68, 140, 88. Um, he has two touchdowns on the season. That's, that, that's great. It could be a little bit more. Um, he's averaging just about 14, 15 fantasy points. Now, I know Hopkins is coming back in two weeks, so the workload could go down a little bit. However, I just don't think Hopkins comes back and Hollywood Brown gets forgotten. I think this I think this Arizona offense gets a boost that they need because right now Arizona looks like a very middle-of-the-pack team that if they face an elite team, they're going to get smoked, and if they face a team like Carolina, they'll pull it out by a touchdown or two. Um, so Hopkins will be the boost that they need. Nothing's going to happen to Hollywood in my mind. You might lose some targets, might lose some points. That's okay, but the chemistry's there. Like, like Kyler's looking at him all the time. So I'm, I'm proud of Hollywood so far. I'm excited for his future. And I'm, I'm happy with my investment in him on two or three teams. The new England Patriots at the green Bay Packers. What is your biggest takeaway? Uh, I, I don't mean to steal it. Cause I actually thought of the take and then saw your note, but I, I'm going to have to say it. Um, Romeo Dobbs is not getting another pass to him for the rest of the year. After, Cause Oh no, he, did. Rodgers- he got two in overtime. Don't worry. Uh, he's not hundred percent. Well, he dropped a big touchdown. And he then did drop Aaron a big Rogers, touchdown. That was bad. Aaron, you know, discount double check Aaron Rodgers. It was discount double eye roll from Aaron Rodgers because oh yeah, he looked so. Oh my god, it was like it was like it was like the first time he got divorced. Like he was looking at Romeo Dobbs like he was his ex wife. Like I am so disappointed in you. I want nothing to do with you. It's a uh, it's 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 bad. It's bad. And yeah, I, I don't I'm, think I'm Romeo Dobbs is going to be trusted in deep it, for not for the rest of the season, but. Watson looked like he was more involved. I think there's going to be a little more spread the love there, more like Kansas City. So uh, where everybody gets his workload rather my, than just dominating. My note on Green Bay is that there's going to be a different receiver every week that plays yeah. out of its, you know, out of their mind. Uh, Alan Lazard had five receptions on seven targets, 94 yards. Um, the rest of them didn't have a lot of targets besides Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs had eight targets. I caught, I think, five of them. I still think Dobbs gets involved. Um, I wouldn't start him next week because so I do need to see what the Aaron Rodgers effect is going to be. Mm-hmm. 
Last game we got for you, Denver Broncos at the Las Vegas Raiders. What is your biggest takeaway? Uh, I just got to pull this stat up real quick because um, I'm feeling really good about a take that I had earlier this year. Uh Okay, That's well, I, I'm just I'm just gonna say this before you do that. Um, I had Russell Wilson on the All Boom team. I said this was the week for Russell Wilson. I said if he doesn't perform this week, he's riding your bench. Um, I think he's the quarterback three on the week right now. Um, obviously Monday Night Football hasn't happened yet. He's behind Jared Goff, Geno Smith, who played in just the ridiculous offensive explosion. Uh, Russell Wilson's three with 27 points. So, um, again. I, I told you throughout the show who I was wrong on, but I am also going to tell you who I'm right on. So that's not my biggest takeaway though, but I was feeling time. What do you got? There is one preseason take that I had that I was very confident in. Um, one that Nick said, I'm crazy for ranking this player this high. I'm crazy for ranking him over this player. Um, and I said that Cortland Sutton is going to finish as a higher wide receiver than Devontae Adams this year. Now I did also say going to the game, Devontae Adams was going to be, Elite, because this is a tough defense, and the way you beat a tough defense is you use your superstar wide receiver. So what did Devontae Adams do um, with that workload? Devontae Adams saw 13 targets. Phenomenal. He saw nine catches on those targets. Phenomenal. And he just eclipsed 100 yards on those. So what that does is show Devontae Adams is going to be used in those superstar moments. But what you also saw was Derek Carr being a lot worse than Aaron Rodgers throughout that game. You saw the effect in full yesterday, or, well, yeah, yesterday for you guys. It's three more points that Devontae scored than Cortland Sutton. In a game where the, where that that team, the Raiders team, I, 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 I don't want to cut you off too quick, but uh, Sutton also had the touchdown that counts for sixth, and then didn't have the touchdown. But this is the first week Adams hasn't had a touchdown. So... Is it for really? him to consistently be putting up numbers better than Cortland Sutton, I, I'm still not sold on. Well, my point being, Devontae Adams is not that much better of a week-to-week play than Cortland Sutton. I think at the end of the year, you're going to see they finish around the same. They're currently averaging around the same amount of points. Devontae Adams is at 18, Sutton's at 17. Like, It's going to be very close for the rest of the year, and that's why I didn't trust taking Devontae Adams at the end of the first round. I'm not saying go trade Adams, and I, I know I've been pounding a lot of trades and, like, go trade for but this is the time to really start exploring it. I do think Devontae Adams – like, if you could get – if you could trade away Devontae Adams and get a guy like Cortland Sutton and something else, like, you're not getting that much of a downgrade at receiver, and you could go upgrade it somewhere like tight end or, or RB2 if you're seeing, like, your running backs are struggling. If you have, like, a Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara who hasn't really performed um, up to expectations, like, this is the time to go make a trade like that. All right. Uh, my other big takeaway, um, my bigger takeaway is we saw Josh Jacobs, like like finally. And I, I, I busted Josh Jacobs on the week because Denver defense is really tough against running backs. Um, and this is the best running back game that we've seen against Denver in a long, long time. 20 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns. Great. Like the biggest problem with Josh Jacobs through the first few games of the season, he was getting close to 70 yards, which is great, but he wasn't catching the ball. And he wasn't scoring in the red zone. And it wasn't his fault. They weren't getting to the red zone. The Raiders have been even horrible. Um, and, and the other thing in this game is he had the two touchdowns because they finally got to the red zone. He had five receptions on, a, on, on, you know, on, did he really have 11 targets? Is my number wrong? He, he did have 11 targets. 
they, they have to feature this guy. He's too talented. He's more talented than Zamir White or Bolden. Like, come on. Like, this dude's talented. He's had, like, three seasons in a row with over 800 yards. Like, come on now. Like, feature this guy. He's carved up the Denver defense as top five in the league. So um, this should give you some confidence as Josh Jacobs' owners going forward. We're like halfway through sending in football, guys. We're almost into the fourth quarter. I don't have a big takeaway except that, like, the Bucs are really letting down Florida. I was convinced this was the rigged game of the week, that, that the Bucs are going to win. And they even have shirts to say, like, Florida strong on it. Like, I, I, was, I was sure of this one. I don't know. Brady can uh, still come back, but my my takeaway is Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to wind up finishing the week as the top three running back. Yeah, he's touchdown dependent. He's, he's matchup proof. It's the number. It's the number two scoring team in the league. Like he's been <laughs> incredibly efficient on a week to week basis. They're trusting him in every single big situation. He had they one are. drop today. I'm so that was his only bad moment of the year. <laughs> he's been so efficient. Every single fan, and I'm going to go on a little bit of rant here because it's annoying. Every time I scroll on TikTok or Instagram, everybody's like, so high on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. No, he's been efficient on the best off, on one of the best offenses in football. Tampa Bay, we've been pounding the death saying they're a top five defense. They've No team scored more than 17 this season. They're the only team to hold teams like that. Like, And Kansas City has absolutely smoked them. Clyde is efficient. Clyde is matchup proof. I don't care what anyone says anymore. Play Clyde, trust him. He's playing like the first round pick that he was drafted to be. He's playing like the second round talent that he was drafted his rookie year in your fantasy league. Like trust the guy. He's going off. Just stop worrying about the matchup with him. He's matchup proof at this point. All right. Monday night football preview. Two of my favorite teams in the league, the 49ers and the Rams. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, Matthew Stafford, 16.3 fantasy points. What are you thinking? I'm going under. I don't trust Matthew Stafford after last week's performance. He's been so inconsistent, and I wasn't hiding him before the year, so I'm not trusting him against the top defense. He's on my bus team, so I feel like I have to go under, right? I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. right at 15 fantasy points. He, the Rams haven't looked as explosive as they were in, you know, last year. The 49ers have, are the second toughest defense against quarterbacks. I, I think he gets like 15 points. Let's go to his counterpart, Jimmy Garoppolo, 14.5. I'm going under here as well. I think this whole game is going to be more of an under. Both these teams are, are very well matched against each other. Both these coaches know each other very well. Um, and Jimmy G, I, I don't think Jimmy G's washed and he's not a great quarterback. I don't think he's a good quarterback, but he's a good game I think manager. he's a lot better than what he showed last week. Uh, I, I was seeing a lot of reports that the 49ers were hiding or not showing him the full playbook um, because they wanted Trey Lance to really take the step up. Um, and it's his first game back off of shoulder surgery. So, you're, you're watching a guy get back, recovering from the injury, learning learning a new playbook that was designed for a mobile quarterback. Like, there, There's a lot going on in changing-wise, and it's not the time for Jimmy G or the entire offense yet to be fully trusted. Um, let's go to the running backs. Cam Akers, 9.1 against a stingy San Francisco defense. Under, I still don't trust Akers yet. I'm going to go with over because if he scores a touchdown, like – I think he's he needs a touchdown to go over, but yeah, if he scores a touchdown as like a couple catches, like he, he could go over. Jeff Wilson, 14.7. This is one I will smash the under on. I don't want any part of Aaron Donald. 14.7, that's a high number. He and was on my all-bus team. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give the stats real quick from what I remember, but D Debo was the absolute dominator. I think they had three games. Yeah, they had three games last year, including the playoffs. In that time, he saw three rushing touchdowns, 150 yards on the ground. Um, and I think close to 30 attempts between those three games. So 
Debo is really going to be the difference maker on the ground, not Jeff Wilson running up, running straight up Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner all night. So I'm not trusting Wilson to get more than 14 when I think his line will be closer to 10, if not under. All right. Um, let's go with Cooper Cup, 20.4. Over the Allen Robinson, the big concern I had for him was him taking target share from Cooper Cup. No, nah, Matt Stafford said, I'm, I don't need Allen Robinson for target share. I know my guy, Cooper Cup, who won me a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl MVP, is going to go march me down that field all day. So I've learned just to always go with the over a Cooper Cup. I'd rather be wrong about that. I, yeah. You, over. yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I would rather be wrong about Cooper Cup hitting the over. I just, yeah. Um, Debo Samuel, 18.8. I'm smashing the over on that. Like I just said, his rushing stats, I mean, He's averaging 50 yards and a, and a touchdown on the ground against uh against the or he did last year against the Rams. So there's no reason not to expect 10 fantasy points on the ground there. And now he's just got to make up four catches for 40 yards in the air to break that. Up. Debo averaged 29 against the Rams last year. Over. Yeah, he's a smash. Allen Robinson 10.8. It's a tough one. We both love Allen Rob. We love him as a person, as a player, but I go slightly under like nine or ten. I do hope he has more, but I'm going like nine or ten. It, it's touchdown or bust. Like, yeah, that's it's what really what it is. And I don't he's, think he's, he's playing the Robert Woods role of last year. He's going to get five receptions and like 50 yards, yeah. and Cooper Cup's going to explode. That, that's that's what he's playing. But the difference was Robert Woods' yards were coming on 20 and 30 yard receptions. Allen Robinson's specialty is five, 10 yard slants, yeah. Charles out routes. So yep. I, I have to go with under as well. Brandon Ayuk, 12.4. I'm smashing the under. I, I still think Ayuk is one of the biggest smoke screens in football. I, after last year and how fluctuating he was, I, I still don't feel I could trust him with the same quarterback and mostly the same scheme. I'll go under at like 10. On to the tight ends. Tyler Higby, 10.9. Over. Last week was an off week. He was a monster the first two weeks in terms of receptions. Uh, my favorite play I've ever seen, uh, was, or one of them, outside of the Philly special is Zach Wilson, which was phenomenal today, um, would be them running screen passes to their tight end, Tyler Higby. Like, it's the most bizarre thing. It's the most Sean McVay unexpected thing. And they do like three or four of them a game, and they do a lot of them when they're close to the red zone. So I'm going to try. I think Higby will be able to hit the end zone. All right. Um, I will. Him or Allen Robertson are going over, and I'll, I'll say Higby's going under. Um, right around nine. George Kittle, 11.5. I'm going over. I mean, Kittle's just a machine when he's out there on that football field. Uh, I, I've learned I'll go with the over two, but I think he needs a touchdown. Second game back, I feel like this is the game where he could get more involved. Okay. I agree. And if they leave Bobby Wagner on him, Bobby Wagner's not hanging with him. No, Bobby Wagner hasn't. The, <laughs> look at the Seahawks over the past 10 seasons against tight ends. Um, yeah. Not, not great. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, hopefully we, you know, gave you some good fantasy advice from this past week and from Monday Night Football coming up. Our next episode will be tomorrow, Waiver Wire Tuesday episode. Give you all the waiver players that you need. We'll tell you which players you should drop. Um, it's one of my favorite episodes of the week. Um, it's a short episode, clean and simple, waivers, players to drop. If you enjoyed this episode and you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating and review. We'd appreciate that. If you're watching this, this on Epis on YouTube, uh, please give us a like on this video. Hit that subscribe button. We'd appreciate all of that. Tell your friends. Share the show. Um, we'd love all of that. Keep checking in with us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Primetime, FFPod, Facebook, and YouTube, Primetime Fantasy Podcast. That's all we got. Enjoy Monday Night Football tonight, guys. We'll see you tomorrow for Waiver Wire Tuesday. <laughs>